Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Uh, so much fun to be here each and every Saturday morning with you. And I'm so excited because at 8.15 calling in from Australia is Bo Campy from the Surf Company Creatures. And they make the surf leash that I use, better known as a leg rope. It attaches at my ankle this cord made of polyurethane. It keeps me connected to my surfboard. So when I wipe out, my board doesn't fly into another surfer. And more importantly, I don't have to swim so far to retrieve it if the wave takes the board all the way into the beach and the rocks destroy my surfboard. I'm attached to the surfboard and I could pull it back right away and ride out and catch another wave. It's a brilliant tool designed to save my life. But it also, if it gets caught on a rock under the water, potentially cost me my life and keep me down and drown, which is exactly what happened in December of 1994 here in California at the biggest wave in California called Mavericks. One of my favorite surfers, Mark Fu, was actually held under the water by his leash and he drowned. When I knew I'd be talking about the surf leash, saving your life and at the same time could cost you your life, you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. All week long I thought about, where do you see that story in art and in music? Well, there's a song from 1970 written by the Doors. All four guys, Jim Morrison, the vocals, wrote the, the lyrics. Ray Manzarek, keyboard. John Densmore, the drums, and Robbie Krieger on guitar. Each of them contributed to the creation of that song. And it made me think of a surf leash. Because if the ocean is music, the song is a surfboard. The leash, which attaches the surfer to the board, the black electrical cord at the microphone, attaches each of these four guys to that song. And they each took a turn writing that board as they wrote the song, each contributing through the microphone cord. It's a clap revision. But when you hear the story, you'll understand why I'm telling it this way. First, let's get into the surf leash and the death of Mark Fu at Mavericks in December of 1994. It saves the life of all the other surfers, but not him. Number one. That day was amazing to have the Hawaiians paddling out. Brock Little, Mark Fu, Kim Bradshaw. My gosh, I was like a proud parent or something like that, you know, because uh, they gave the spot that I've surfed for so many years the credibility to actually come and surf it. Helicopters were hovering and photographers from all the mags were there. And, I mean, it was just crazy. We knew it was like the day. This is one of the best days of surfing I've ever had out there. Number two. We were uh, heading back in the boat toward the harbor, and I saw some kind of looked just like a big clump of something, you know, as we were, you know, passing it and pointed it out and said, hey, that, that looks like a body, you know? And, um, you know, sure enough, we stopped the boat and just realized that it was, you know, Mark Fu. Number three. 
it went from the most pleasant, beautiful, plate glass, sunshiny day to the clouds moved in. It got dark. The wind came up, and it was just, you know, like we lost a great warrior. One of our surfers, one of our own, was gone. To have that winter when Mark Fu passed away, that was that was a heavy hit to everybody. Hmm. It's because the leash wrapped around a rock and held him down. Next. I think he got caught on the bottom. The reason I think his leg rope got caught in the rocks is that on the next wave, Brock Little and Mike Parsons wipe out. Parsons comes up and Brock was behind him. In later interviews, Parsons said, I felt Brock trying to get to the surface. But what he didn't realize at the time, Brock was up. And, he, you know, it was Fu trying to get to the surface, which kind of, you know, kind of confirms that he was being held down by something. Next. There really wasn't any discernible injury. He had a slight scratch on his forehead. Um, his countenance actually was not that of one who had sort of struggled or who had been in anguish. I felt surfing at Mavericks the years prior to that, that someone was going to die. I didn't think it was going to be Mark Fu. I thought it would be somebody who didn't know what they were in for. Well, he, they thought he was invincible. He thought he was invincible, and the leash certainly helps you, except when it doesn't, except when it actually keeps you under, wrapped around the rock. Number six. Mark Fu was this kind of guy who was larger than life to us, you know, a guy who... who was more invincible than any of us, who had more experience than any of us. He's the guy that said, hey, to catch the ultimate thrill, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Everyone wanted to understand what killed him. That was important, because they were trying to assess the risk in the face of their sudden mortality. As it sunk in, I didn't think that could happen. Like, I literally didn't think that that could happen. I thought I was invincible. You know, I didn't think, I, I, could, I thought I could just huck myself over any ledge and and, and pop back up laughing, you know? And I think a lot of big wave riders have that belief. They have that belief. And thanks to the leash, thanks to creatures and their leash, it saves us. And after this death, you ask yourself, maybe I shouldn't be surfing. But no, the ocean still calls you. You got your leash 99.9% .9 of the time. It's saving your life. Number seven. It turned the clocks back to 10 years before when I'm sitting out there at the peak by myself with my own thoughts. I wasn't sure I wanted to surf Mavericks after that. So when I went back out there, I wasn't sure if I'd be spooked or not. And I ended up, hey, you know, the wave came to me and it was like, yes. Mavericks said to me, you want to be here. Here's your wave. I caught a great one. Everything was good. It's the way I thought it was. But I always knew that it could kill me, that it can kill anyone. Now let's look at the idea of the surf leash. Strapping you, connecting you to the board. So when you do wipe out, it saves you. In the case of Mark Fu, it kept him down and killed him. But the metaphor, the clapper vision, in the world of art, is the doors. The ocean is their studio. The song is their surfboard.
And the leash is they each take a turn riding that surfboard, being connected to it through the microphone, which has that electric cord. I want you to listen carefully how each of them contributed to making the songwriters on the storm. Each of them saying, all right, let me put the leash on and take a turn riding this board on this wave. It's an awesome metaphor. Let's listen to number one. So one day we're jamming in the studio, I mean, in our rehearsal studio, in the Doors workshop before uh, we got, uh, before we started recording. And uh, for some reason or another, Robbie was playing his twang guitar. And we were doing a old cowpoke went riding out on dark and windy day. And uh, Jim said, I got lyrics for that. I got lyrics for that. Mm, number two. And he had uh, Riders on the Storm. Riders on the Storm. And I said, wait, wait, okay, that's great, man. Riders on the Storm. We can't, but we can't do, to, we can't do Vaughn Monroe or the old cow poke run riding out one dark and windy day. So I said, let me see what I can do with this. So Robbie Krieger first has the leash on his guitar attaching the microphone and its cord contributing to the song. Then Ray Manzarek, you're about to hear, will jazz it up when he attaches himself to the surfboard to the song. And Jim Morrison providing the lyrics. Number three. We gotta put some jazz to it, make it dark. Sure enough, this is what happened. But before we get to that, oh, oh, oh Jerry Sheffs, when he, when he comes in, we've got the whole thing together, and Jerry Sheffs says, what's the bass line? I said, like, simple. E minor, A major. He said, oh, man, that's impossible. So he's having trouble putting the leash on his ankle to attach himself to the song or to the surfboard. It's easy to attach yourself to the leash when you're playing the piano like Ray Manzarek is, but for the bass player, it's a little more difficult. Next. I said, what, for you? That's not impossible. Look at this. It's like nothing to it. And he said, uh-uh. That's, that's on the piano, right? That's on the keyboard. Sure, that works great on the keyboard. There's nothing to it. Watch this on the bass guitar, and I don't know what the hell he did. He had to go through machinations, like turning his wrist up virtually upside down, inside out, trying to play it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, man, but it sounds so good. And it's so easy on the keyboard that you got to play this. And he went, okay, okay, I'll play it. <laughs> you got to attach yourself. We need it. Number five. And here's the rain part. And now the producer, Bruce, says, well, if you got rain on that keyboard, we need some real thunder. And they add literally a real thunderstorm. That's him strapping himself to the leash, to the, storm, to the song. The producer, number one next. Thunder. After we finished the song, he said, oh man, I've got super rain and thunder. 
It's riders on the storm. It's raining on the desert, right? Yeah, exactly, Bruce. Raining on the desert. He said, we got to put in some, uh, uh, some rain and thunder. So sure enough, I mean, the whole thing starts with... And then that bass line... It's like four guys out in the ocean sharing a surfboard, taking turns to ride that board and strapping the leash on. To me, it makes perfect sense. Let's listen, number seven. Another one. Ender Morrison. Riders on the stone. Riders on the stone. Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone An actor out on loan Riders on the storm Beautiful song, but just like Mark Few, Mark Fu surfing the beautiful waves at Mavericks. But then it kills him because the leash keeps him under. Listen to the lyrics now that Jim Morrison brings. This is going to be the last song they make together because in a few days, Jim Morrison leaves the studio, goes to Paris and dies. That cord, that leash that wrapped around the rock that allowed Marfu to drown, that allows other surfers to survive, that microphone cord that gives the doors the fame, the fortune. But in the case of Jim Morrison, it cost him his life. It was too much for him. But the lyrics where he says, gotta love your man, take my hand. It's as though he's saying to his girlfriend, you gotta pull me up, pull me up out of the water. But you couldn't pull Mark Fu up because he was Attached to that rock through his leash, Jim Morrison was also trapped by the leash, that microphone. Number 10. And then Jim sings, Girl, you've got to love your man. Girl, you've got to love your man. Take him by the hand. Make him understand. His world on you depends, our life will never end. Gotta love your man. Number 12. You know, he knew he was going to Paris. He hadn't told anybody before we did this vocal, but he knew he was going to Paris. And he was singing his love to Pam and trying to wipe out in his mind and on the planet that killer on the road. So he says, girl, you've got to love your man. Next. Girl, you've got to love your man. Take him by the hand. Make him understand. His world on you depends. Our life will never end. What a great line that is. I mean, isn't that the ultimate love? His world on you depends. Our life will never end. 
gotta love your man. Girl, you gotta love your man. Keyboard solo. She could take him by the hand, but she was not going to be able to pull him up. Just like Mark Fu, that leash wrapped around a rock. Number 14. We're back on the highway. Riders on the stone. Jim's back in. Riders on the stone. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone. An actor out on loan. Riders on the storm. Robbie plays some great guitar. And finally, this is the part where Ray Manzarek says he had a premonition that he would die, that this would cause him to drown. And taking you by the hand was not going to save him because he actually whispers these lyrics to go to Paris and then die of an overdose. Number 15. Jim and that haunted voice. Riders on the stone. Riders on the stone. December 1994, that was Mark Fu's last ride. 1970, that was The Doors' last song. A leash. Thank God this company, Creatures, makes a leash to save our lives. But it's important to recognize it can also cost you. Don't take it for granted. We'll get into the innovation, the beauty of making a leash that does save our lives better than any other leash on the market. We'll be talking to Bo Campy from Creatures coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You're listening to The Doors, Riders on the Storm. Creating that song reminds me of a surf leash. Nobody knows a surf leash better than my next guest, the great Bo Campy. Bo, thanks so much for calling in from Australia, no less. Hello. Good morning. What time is it in Australia, Bo Campy? Well, I'm on the West Coast, so it's just after oh. midnight. Oh, good. <laughs> on Saturday, Saturday evening. Wow. Well, I want to thank you and Jared Abrams for making this happen because the innovation that your company brings 
to the device yeah, no that as a surfer we depend on is amazing. And I, first, before we get started, Bo Campy, tell us a little bit about you. What does your father do for a living? How did the surf business enter your life? Tell us your story. Yeah, well, I grew up on the Gold Coast, um, which is, you know, obviously very well known for its waves these days, um, from Snapper to Kira. I grew up in that area. Um, my dad surfed. He worked for um, Ansett Airlines as a kid. Um, but, yeah, we were just growing up, myself and my brother, and my support, and we were just really keen surfers. From a young age, I was very fortunate to live where we did live. Wow. So the innovator, right? The guy who started the company is John Malloy. Tell me how you got to meet John Malloy. Um, I got to meet John um, once I started in the business. Um, he is now retired, but I've sat down with John um, at length um, many times since, since I've been within the business. And he's just a really interesting guy um the you can really feel that the hard work that he's put into his product he's super passionate um and he's very knowledgeable from 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 the get-go as well you know i've been focusing on mark Fu, which is a, a rare extremely rare situation where the leash mm -hmm. the leg rope actually held him under which you know it's not something to talk about because 99% of the time, the leash is saving your life. But teach us a little bit about the innovation that your leash brings from the material, the swivel, things that you guys have brought to the world of surfing that actually helps us save our lives rather than costing our lives. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, you know, it comes down to all the elements. It's basically you want to have the best ingredients for for your meal that you're cooking up. That you're cooking up. So it starts at um, you know really premium urethane for the cord um, that's extruded. Um, it's got to be um, perfectly round, um, otherwise it it weakens the cord. Um, but you know creatures, their proprietary innovations of the um, swivel, which is the stainless steel swivel. Um, it's got an acetyl housing. So basically, it's an oil-rich plastic um, that self-lubricates. So that's got um, both ends of the leash. Um, so that avoids tangling. Um, you know, your board gets spun around when you when you wipe out. Um, and apart from that, um, you know, the hugest advantage that creatures of leather leashes have is the connection. Um, it's an innovation that John came up with and brought to market in 2007, um, which is called a DNA flex mold. So it's this, the connection from the urethane to where it goes to your cuff, um, to your ankle, and also your connection of your board. An injection mold, um, the ingenious parts of it, are the actual end of the connection is a scallop shape, so it increases the connection surface. Um, and then also um, through it, it has like a, um, a series of slits, which allows for the, um, the wave absorption and stretch of the actual connection. 
because that's really basically where every leash will break is that connection from urethane to whether it's the cuff or or the um, actual surfboard connection. This past Wednesday, I went surfing, took out my old mm-hmm. leash and switched to the ones you guys sent me. And what I was yeah. so impressed with is the Velcro aspect of this leash. The urethane, the swivel, yeah. amazing. But the way that the Velcro, like, pants over vests, it, the fact that the Velcro, Velcro just doesn't meet in one connection, but you have Velcro on top of Velcro, like a Velcro sandwich going on, which I believe is, mm-hmm. it makes me so secure knowing I'm not going to lose connection to my surfboard in a big wipeout. And are you guys at the forefront of Velcro as well in making that sandwich-like connection? Yeah, it's like we've been using um, as one manufacturer that we've been using forever, and that's the mm. standard. You know, that's the golden standard for us. Um, those guys are developing, you know, that's their business. So we've got mm-hmm. molded Velcro in some of our leashes that we have now, uh, which are a little, you know, you can really tell. Um, they're, they're quite, um, you know, lined up, um, perfect-looking Velcro, the molded Velcro, uh, whereas you've got, you know, original hook and loop, um, which is a textile Velcro, which we still use as well, but it's of the highest standard um, because you don't want a, a leash blow off, blow off ever. My prized possession is my Steve Walden board, a 10 foot mm-hmm. six that I ride. And what I love oh. also is the cord, the leash that you make, which attaches to the board, but it also for a small portion actually protects my surfboard so that the urethane doesn't cut into the board. Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts behind preserving and protecting my board right at that one foot junction from the attachment on the board. It seems like it's not polyurethane there. It's some type of protection of the cord to my surfboard. Yeah, for sure. Like That is what we call the component of the leash. It's called the rail saver. So it basically, it saves the rail of your surfboard, your prized possession. Um, it's a it's a fabric material um, that's um, got a low profile and that's where it connects to your leash string um, where you, you've got a series of, of Velcro closures um, that, that, that secure to, to your board. Um, yeah, this, it's basically, it allows for... Um, a full protection, I think it's about, you know, 20, 25 centimetres or in, in inches, it's about 10 inches of fabric material that basically saves your board from any leash cutting through or ripping through um, from, from your circle plug. Well, Campy, how old are you? I'm 39 years old. So surfing your whole life. Tell me a little bit. I'm an orthopedic mm-hmm. surgeon. Tell me about some of the injuries yep. you've had surfing. Oh, I've been pretty fortunate. I've, <laughs> uh, I've busted my ankle. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, it's just, it's been not minor nicks and bruises here mm-hmm. and there. So, yeah, I've, I did definitely count myself pretty fortunate on, on that side. Take us through the worst wipeout you've ever had. Did you actually have a moment where you thought, I got one more breath, otherwise it's all over. 
Yeah, I've definitely I've <laughs> had a good one. It was, it was in Hawaii. Um, I was probably definitely out of my league on that day um, at Sunset mm-hmm. Beach, and a big west um, set came in. Um, so, you know, I caught myself and one of my best friends off guard, and we just got absolutely rolled. Um, it was like pretty much like wrestling a crocodile, and I came up, <laughs> just got a breath in, and then caught the next one on the head, and I was basically um, washed up the beach, and I was I was coughing water for sure. Oh my god! Wow! Yeah, we've all been there, and yet, Bo Camden, yeah. thanks to creatures, we feel secure, and we paddle right back out. <laughs> No worries. Thanks, Doc. You keep surfing. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for getting up early to be with us. The product is fantastic. Yeah, no problem at all. What's that? No problem at all. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's really great to hear you. You can tell it's in your blood. You don't have blood in your in your veins, Bo Campy. You got salt water. I can tell you're a That's surfer crap. through and through. But your product is terrific. I totally endorse it, and thanks for sending me one to try out. I really appreciate you getting up early and teaching us a little bit more about the surf leash. Thanks so much, and say hi to the gang. Will do. Thanks, Doc. Okay. Oh, okay, young man. The great Bo Campy. The company's called Creatures, and it's a really innovation, a real big innovation, certainly for people like me who surf. All right, coming up next, I'll take your calls. The clinic will be num- open. The number's 877 877- 710-3776. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Lincoln Park. We've included them as a song. I love that song to begin with. In the end, it doesn't really matter. But Lincoln, that's what the surf leash does. It links you to the surfboard. Apropos to tomorrow and all the great food we're going to be eating, and all the guacamole and chips. Can't wait to create the menu for tomorrow's Super Bowl. But as an orthopedic surgeon, I can't help but think about all the orthopedic injuries. How can I watch that game? And guess what? The Kansas City Chiefs, we talked about Patrick Mahomes dislocating his kneecap. But the real trouble is going to be his offensive line. Because there are two football players, one with a back injury, and one who tore his Achilles tendon, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Kansas City Bar Mitzvah boys. Can you imagine a guy named Fisher and a guy named Schwartz on the same team as the offensive line? I'm loving it. I feel like I'm going to the synagogue. But they're out because of orthopedic injuries. Back a back issue for Mitchell Schwartz and a torn Achilles tendon for Eric Fisher. But let's look at the other team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Antonio Brown's had a knee that's been swelling, but it looks like he'll be okay to play. We can do a lot, certainly temporizing things when it comes to a swollen knee. But we must look back at the 43-year-old's career, Tom Brady, because he tore his ACL, had it fixed, and here he is back again. What an advance in the world of orthopedics to be able to have Tom Brady 
back again after such a severe knee injury. I'm old enough to remember Joe Namath, who tore his ACL, wound up with a knee that was bone on bone, and the injury ultimately cost him his career. It's just like talking about Sandy Koufax of the Dodgers. Orthopedic surgeons used to use the term, he blew out his elbow. Throwing curveballs, the torque in the elbow. That's what you were told, your career's over. You blew out your elbow. And in 1974, Dr. Job, who I had the pleasure of being a fellow under and training with and writing a paper with him actually on shoulders, came up with the Tommy John surgery that has allowed one out of every four baseball pitchers in major leagues, and probably more than that now, to have Tommy John surgery for the blown out elbow, blown out ulnar collateral ligament, and have a Tommy John surgery. The advance, you talk about performance enhancing drugs, what about surgical enhancing procedures? Performance enhancing surgeries, PES, they're legal. It's not nothing illegal about it because the technology has advanced. But thankfully, Tom Brady didn't have the torn ACL like Joe Namath ending his career. Gail Sayers tore his ACL as a running back for the Chicago Bears. It ends his career. And yet, Adrian Peterson tears his ACL, has it fixed, and the very next season almost breaks Eric Dickerson's running, running back record for yards. So I can't help but think about the anterior cruciate ligament in Tom Brady when he plays tomorrow in the Super Bowl. The technology is fascinating what we're able to do on so many levels. You heard me talk about fixing someone's rotator cuff by making sure I put the rotator cuff tendon back to that beautiful word I love, the footprint. Put, put the tendon in your shoulder back exactly where it ripped off the bone. That's the key to being a great surgeon, using the arthroscope to see millimeters actually where it came from and put it back. Well, if you've had your ACL re reconstructed, and many of you listening to me have, and now your knee is feeling loose and it's not feeling right, I would bet dollars to donuts, and you know how much I love donuts. Good time donuts in Ventura. <laughs> I love that place. That's where I go after I surf. I would bet dollars to donuts that the surgery did not put your ACL back exactly at the footprint where it was before. If the surgeon is off by millimeters, then when you straighten versus bend your knee, slowly but surely, you stretch the reconstructed ligament out and your knee feels loose again. This week I saw a patient had a hamstring, which I don't like to use, but people do. Can you imagine he has his ACL reconstructed, went through the whole rehab, and now has to come to me to redo what was done before. And guess how I'm going to revise his ACL? I'm going to use his own patella tendon. That's been my favorite for 32 years. And that's what Tom Brady has. That's what Aaron Rodgers has. That's what Derrick Rose has.
using your own patella tendon. It's my preference. Other people can do all kinds of things. They're entitled. It's a free country. But for me, that's what you should use. But what was interesting for me is yesterday in surgery, one of the cases I did was an ACL and a skier, but a woman. And ever since Title IX, where it was decided that you should fund not only the boys' football team in college, but you better match dollar for dollar the girls. The girls need their sports too, whether it's soccer, field hockey. They're not playing football. But you better have as many sports funded for girls as you do boys. That's Title IX. But as orthopedic surgeons, what did we then see? An explosion in the number of ACL tears in women versus men. And so the research started. The investigation started. Why do more girls tear their ACL than boys? Four to five times more often. And yesterday in surgery, because it was a 32-year-old girl, I learned again why. And it's because in our knees, in your knees, there are four ligaments that stabilize the joint. One on the big toe side, just underneath the skin, the medial collateral ligament. One on the little toe side of your knee, the lateral side, the lateral collateral ligament. It's so interesting because the medial collateral ligament anchors itself to the thigh bone, the femur, and then anchors itself. It crosses the joint of your knee and anchors itself to the shin bone, the tibia. But what's so fascinating is the ligament on the other side, the lateral collateral ligament, your little toe side of the joint, anchors to the femur, yeah, just like the medial collateral ligament does, but it does not attach as it crosses the joint to the tibia, to the shin bone. Nope. It attaches to this little bone called the fibula. And you say to yourself, why doesn't do on one side what it did on the other side to be symmetrical? Because your knee is actually not just a hinge. It's not just a flip phone. Remember those, the old days? Now everybody has a smartphone, so they don't have a flip phone. Or what's another hinge that we have in life? Your kitchen cabinets when you open the door or the trunk of your car is a beautiful clapper vision of a hinge. When you look at your knee and you straighten, you bend it, for all the world to you, it looks like a hinge. But the reality is, is it's not. It actually rotates. As you fully extend your knee, if you looked at it, going from seated, sitting down to standing, if you see what happens when you extend your knee, you know what you're going to see if you look carefully? That you actually rotate. The femur actually rotates on the tibia. This allows you to walk on sand and gravel and uneven terrain. Because if it was just a pure hinge, like a flip phone, like your trunk of your car with hinges or the kitchen cabinets, if your knee was a pure hinge and you started to rotate because of uneven ground you're walking on, you would crack the flip phone, you'd crack the hinge. So you need a little bit of play. You need a little bit of rotation. And that is why the lateral collateral ligament does not attach to the tibia like the medial collateral ligament does. It attaches to the fibula, which allows you a few degrees of rotation. Critical, because you need that rotation. 
Well, the two ligaments inside the joint in the motor oil, in the synovial fluid that lubricates the joint, that allows the joint to work without friction, there's literally a hole in the femur bone. We call it a notch, the femoral notch. And in men, for the most part, that space looks like your garage door. So the clapper vision is your car is the ligament and you open up that rectangular garage door and you drive right in with plenty of clearance for your car on the walls of the side of the garage and the ceiling above. You're not bumping into anything when you pull your car into a rectangular garage. If your car is the ligament, the femoral notch is a rectangular hole or space in the bone inside the joint to allow the ligament to move freely as you straighten and bend your knee. But what if your garage, same car, but what if the garage was shaped like a Native American teepee, an A-frame? It wasn't rectangular. Go try to pull your car into a teepee. It ain't gonna happen. There's no clearance. There's no ceiling. And the walls are tilted in. Looks like the capital letter A, an A-frame we call it. Well, women have a propensity to have an A-frame shape to their femoral notch. They don't have a garage shaped like a rectangle like men do. So that car that you try to pull in is getting squeezed on either side by the A-frame because it's not a rectangle with plenty of clearance. So when women twist, it snaps the ligament. And you wonder why I love the world of art, the world of sports and the world of surgery and why I see the connection. Well, I love to sculpt in marble and travel to Italy to Michelangelo's quarry and use the tools, hand tools. Sometimes I'll cheat and use motorized tools to sculpt in stone and marble. Well, let me tell you something, it comes in handy as a surgeon because yesterday, I used a sculpting tool to widen and create a garage that looks rectangular from this girl's A-frame shape bone. Because if I'm rebuilding her ACL, I don't want to take the chance that her A-frame can cut the new ACL that I just operated on and put into her. And if the surgeon does not sculpt and remove enough of the bone and make a new shape, then you will have your ACL done and guess what? You'll tear it all over again. For me, being a sculptor and spending the time to make sure there's plenty of clearance for the new ligament is why I marry those two worlds of mine, sculpting and surgery. Coming up next, we're going to talk about, can't wait for next week's show, one of my favorite guests. She's been on many times, and we'll get into what I have in mind for next week, and certainly my prediction for the Super Bowl. And don't forget, I got to tell you where my favorite tamales are in the whole wide world, and they're here in Southern California. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. I'll tell you. I'll explain more. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710. ESPN. Incredible.
making it making it sound like rain. The great Ray Manzarek, may he rest in peace, died of cancer at 74 years old. Beautiful guy. And that's Jim Morrison. We can make it louder, Laura. The great Jim Morrison. The two of them met at UCLA. Jim, Ray Manzarek had already graduated from college and was getting a master's in film. And that's where he met Jim Morrison on the beach in Venice. And that's how the doors were born. Beautiful story. All right, let's talk about tamales. Being Jewish and from New York, the only Mexican food I ever had growing up was a Frito's corn chip. Frito the bandito, that's all I knew. And it was a package. I didn't know about one of the greatest cuisines the world underrates. Everybody gets excited about French food, great. Italian food, great. Chinese food. Great. But let me tell you something. Mexican food, to me, is the greatest. And so I didn't grow up with it. I'm making up for lost time. I eat more Mexican food than a Mexican does. And I come to really appreciate the hard work that goes into it. It's so delicious, you eat in like two minutes. But those enchilada sauces, Green, red sauces, all the, it takes hours. God bless Mexican women who cook because they, I, I could not be a Mexican woman as a cook because I would get too frustrated that I'd spent all day cooking the sauce and you eat it in two seconds. It's too frustrating. But let me tell you something, when it's done right, there's nothing like it. The sauce that wraps around that flavors the meat whether it's chicken, pork, beef. And then this whole idea of wrapping it in the masa, in a tamale. It's like, uh, you know, being Jewish, I'm used to having a matzo ball. That's a Jewish version of masa. It's not masa, it's matzo. My mouth is watering already. So the way the spices hold the meat together in this matzo ball known as masa, is awesome and it is such a subtle science to make tamales perfect and when you're freezing cold and you've been in the ocean for two hours i gravitate to mexican food and in ventura i told you it's like that show diners drive-ins and dives this is a dive it's but it's been around forever and they make everything themselves the tamales, I think they're five bucks a piece. They only make pork and they only make beef. So I had two of each, figuring I'd eat the other one the next day. The, the four of them didn't make it out of my car. The place is called Johnny's and it's in Ventura on the Avenue. So you'll have to Google map it or Waze, order ahead of time, call it up and pick it up. You will have the greatest tamale you've ever had in your life because i did on wednesday let's talk about next week in the few minutes we have left my guest is going to be the great claire cunny she's an art historian and when i'm thinking about what's next 
what do I want to talk to her about? It's this. You always hear me talk about my teacher, the great Dr. Ranawat, who taught me the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. That's true for any aspect of life. You got to have the information. You could be looking at the same sculpture, painting, whatever it is in the art world. But it's when she starts to tell you the story behind the painting. Is when it becomes three dimensional. I mean, it's a canvas. It's got paint on it. It doesn't talk. But when Claire Cunney starts to describe what she's seeing, the history behind the artist, the history behind the story, it's as though the depth makes the z-axis, the third dimension, and this two-dimensional picture becomes three-dimensional. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. And I remember hearing Magic Johnson, and I'll play this soundbite next week, talking about, you think God gave you just two eyes to see? Because Magic Johnson, with his no-look passes, outside of Pete Maravich, who was his hero, was the greatest at blindly passing the ball. But you'll hear the secret behind Magic Johnson's greatness at passing when he tells you, you think God just gave you two eyes? No, he gave you about a hundred eyes. And he'll explain, and you'll hear in his own words, we'll hear about the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know in art, in sports, and in surgery, like we do each and every Saturday. And thanks again for sending your friends to the show and your family. I feel like we got a congregation out there. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio.